Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Monday, September 6th edition of the Basement Academy. It is good to be back in the studio, i.e. the basement, <laughs> uh, after a, a week of refreshing time at the beach, but uh, good to get back uh, in church yesterday, good to uh, be back in the studio uh, and getting after it. Our morning psalm, Psalm 126, has a context to it. It is the context of the Babylonian uh, captivity. And this is a short psalm. This says, When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Psalm 126, just six verses. But you can feel some of the joy and the release uh, when the Lord brought back the captives. And so this Babylonian captivity, 70 years of being separated from uh, the homeland. And then the Lord brings them back, uh, restores them back to their homeland. And such great joy. Um, I think we've all experienced at some level a return home or return to familiar places where God met us. Uh, when I go to Charlottesville, there's always a, a, a deep emotional uh, thing that happens because that's where I met the Lord. And so when I have occasion to visit Charlottesville, there's, there, there's a joy that wells up within and this sense of, of God's blessing in my life over time since I've been away from, uh, from Charlottesville. It's, it, that's probably not the best analogy, but this this image or this notion of return, of homecoming. And uh, I know some of us have experienced that being separated by COVID and then getting the vaccination, coming back into church, the sense of joy of being back in the sanctuary, singing the songs in community, uh, fellowshipping with others in person. And so there is in the history of God's people this reality of suffering and return, of, of exile and return, of, of, of experiencing difficult times and trials and then knowing God's blessing. And ultimately, I think there's this sense of when we die, we return home. That is the ultimate. We are in exile to some degree outside of heaven and will return into the Lord's presence. I, I think it's an interesting backdrop because what we continue to talk about uh, kind of taking up the other side of the coin. Uh, we've been looking at critical race theory for the last three weeks. Well, if critical race theory is not the answer, then what is? So if not CRT, then what? And we'll probably do a couple weeks of reflection on this. Um, and so what I've tried to do for the last three weeks, again, excluding last week, which was a replay of, of week two, is to unpack both the historic uh, historical and academic background uh, or roots of critical race theory. It's 
what, what's being portrayed in the media, what is being discussed at school boards, what is being presented in corporate training uh, settings is not the historic academic expression. It's a popular cultural expression. So the history, you know, roots it back into uh, the 1920s uh, in pre-Nazi Germany, uh, a, a set of Marxist economists, social philosophers gathered and were trying to understand how come the Marxist revolution of the workers rising up against the capitalist hasn't happened in capitalist West, right? In London, in, in, this, in the United States. And so they were really trying to understand why Marxism had not come true. That's the roots of critical race theory. Then it kind of they get scattered, these intellectuals get scattered uh, because of uh, the rise of Hitler in Nazi Germany. Uh, it was not a friendly place for Jews, obviously. And so they came to the U.S. and so on. So you can go back and watch week one. But what we're encountering is the popular cultural expression. It's been mainstreamed such that the critical race theory is really about things that are going wrong for people of color in our society. And so critical race theory is an attempt to explain that, okay? It's very dumbed down, it's very popularized, it, it's streamlined, um, and what's being presented uh, in our schools and in our training settings is based on this, this historic academic thing where there's a, a kind of a binary between the oppressor and the oppressed, but there's not all of the... The, 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 the intellectual um, roots that are being taught. It's very basic, frankly, that white people have privilege, that white people are oppressors. Um, again, you can watch the last three weeks to, 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 to pick up on that. And so what I've tried to do fairly is, is trace these historic academic both uh, and then the popular cultural expressions. Here's the pastoral concern I've got. I basically argued for three weeks, or, or maybe one week of the three, that I think we should dismiss um, critical race theory as an explanatory and ethical model uh, for, you know, dealing with the, the ills of our society. Um, we, we, we have great concern. I have great concern for some of what is taught there. Um, the ethics, that is the action steps that it advocates uh, that flow from the explanatory model. Um, there, there, there's a logical connection between the ex explanatory model and then what the ethics, that is what we should do about things. Uh, they, they, they hold together. I do believe we ought to dismiss this as a framework and as a, a, a set of ethics or set of action steps. And so as Christians, I believe we, we need to, to reject uh, and dismiss critical race theory. But here's my concern. We should not, we may not dismiss the concerns that are attempting to be addressed by critical race theory. I don't think they address them well, but there's an attempt to address issues of race, racial division, injustice, um, there are historic realities in uh, our society that critical race theory seeks to explain and then do away with by its action steps. We should not dismiss the concerns around race and suffering and injustice 
and division. These are concerns that as Christians we ought to care about. And so my concern in dismissing the model of critical race theory, we dismiss the concern as well, that this, that this kind of corollary concern or really primary concern uh, that CRT is, it, it says it's, it's seeking to address. And so as Christians, we are not given the freedom to be indifferent about human suffering and human need, pain and violence, uh, injustice uh, and the like. This is not given us. As the people of God, as the, the body of Christ, we're, we're to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our world. God has called us to be engaged. The question is, how to engage. So critical race theory offers, it doesn't attempt a religious explanation at all. In fact, it would even argue in places that Christianity or certain versions of Christianity are themselves part of the systemic oppression. Okay. So as Christians, we ought to dismiss, if nothing else, on those grounds alone. But my concern is we toss the baby out with the bathwater. That is, we have this concern for the brokenness uh, of our world. Uh, there continues to be uh, great division within our society uh, at several different levels, race being one of them. But as Christians, we're not given the freedom by our Lord to be indifferent to human suffering. Every person who suffers bears the glorious image of God. Now, they may not know God, they may be walking away, they may hold to different beliefs, intellectually, politically, religiously, otherwise, but they are still image bearers, and we are called to love our neighbor, and we're called to love our enemy. And so, uh, the, this, it is not an option for us to dismiss the concern, okay? And so, so that's a challenge, and so I, I, I do not want anybody to walk away uh, from these studies and think that we, I as a, a pastor, we as Christians at Greenwich are indifferent to the needs of others in our society. And so the challenge is finding our way to this very narrow road. Because what I'm proposing <laughs> is, puts us on a narrow path. Because with critical race theory, unfortunately, in my uh, opinion, it, it puts itself forward in such a way that if you don't buy in all the way, then it proves you are a racist or a bigot or some other oppressive kind of person. So it's either by our model or else. And um, I don't agree with that, okay? But the, we, we talked a couple weeks ago about the Kafka trap, the darned if you do, darned if you don't. If you, if you don't speak up, if you don't resist, if you don't you know, put your hand up and say, hey, wait a second, to critical race theory, if you, that is, if you go along with it, well, then the theory says, well, you're acknowledging your white privilege, your white supremacy, that you are a racist. Again, the theory suggests that only white people can be racist because they hold the power and that all white people are racist because they are white. They have the power. And so if you, if you say, hey, wait a second, I want to talk about that. I want to discuss that. If you, don't, if you don't put up the hand, then 
it's assumed that you're acknowledging by your silence you're, you're, you are complicit with white privilege, etc. If you do put up the hand, then say, well, well there's your white fragility and, and you're so delicate, you can't, that, that confirms that you are a racist and a bigot and, and a white supremacist, etc. So that, that very clever way that critical race theory presents itself um, makes this very difficult. But dismiss this we must um, as a theory. The concern remains. And so uh, Christian, uh, uh, CRT says if you don't buy in, you're a bigot. Christian orthodoxy, what I believe I hold to and what I advocate and teach here, that is the historic Christian faith based on these scriptures, uh, based on uh, uh, tested and tried and proven um, uh, reasoned argument and discussion, Christian orthodoxy says, not so fast. <laughs> we have an answer also. Christianity offers an explanatory model for human behavior, for the human family. Christian orthodoxy um, suggests uh, why things happen the way they do. Uh, we, I speak all the time about Genesis chapters 1 and 2 being made in the image of God, carrying these enormous God-given capacities into the world. Excuse me. We, we have these abilities to think and to reason and to act and to do and to build and to dream and to dance. We do all of this because we are made in God's image. So we hold steadfastly to the truth that all men are created, all, all women are created equal, all boys and girls are created equal, no matter what skin color, what, what language, what custom, etc. We, we uh, stridently defend that truth that all are created equal, all bear the image of God. One is not better than the other, one skin color, one language, one race, etc. So, <clears throat> so we start there, but we also have an explanatory model for why things have gone awry. And that's Genesis chapter 3. The rebellion against God leads to human misery. So what Adam and Eve did in the garden in rejecting um, God, in, in taking unto themselves the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, taking that fruit unto themselves, which is a, I take as kind of a metaphor and image. I do believe there was an actual tree. But but I believe the, the, the understanding is to know good and evil for oneself is to set oneself up as the authority, the final arbiter or authority or judge of good and evil. And so that is what the human family is cursed with. God says, when you do that, you're going to die. Something happens. There's a rupture. All of a sudden, God can't be the ultimate arbiter if I'm the ultimate arbiter and judge. So I'm distanced and broken in my relationship with God. I refuse. Humans refuse to acknowledge that God is the ultimate authority. And then you look at other people, and of course, they're asserting themselves to be the author of right and wrong. And so a lot of, basically all our human disagreements kind of bundle around a, a, a battle of wills, Right. And so the, 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 the misery that comes to the human family is this brokenness with God, this brokenness with others. And then what happens is we do find from time to time folks who are like-minded as we are on certain issues and we gather into these little moral 
ideological tribes. And one of the tribes that's easily gathered around is skin color. You look like me, so we're us, they are them. And so this demonizing or othering, as sometimes it's, it's talked about, happens. And this tendency to elevate ourselves over and above others. So the Orthodox Christianity explains what Christ, uh, CRT is seeking to explain what's happening in society. I think we have a better explanation, right? Ours is a deeper, longer truer explanation. This is not merely an American phenomenon. In fact, I did a search uh, this, this past week. Critical race theory in other nations. Guess what? You come up with goose eggs. Maybe in South Africa, which has this historic struggle, white, black, uh, apartheid. It is crickets everywhere else. Critical race theory is strictly an American phenomenon. It's American academia, it's the American elites who are trying to put this forward. Yet America is not the only uh, nation that has struggled with human slavery. In fact, you could argue that between uh, Britain and America, we're the only nations that have actually fought wars to make sure that slavery ends, right? And so we've given ourselves to, at great cost of blood and, and treasure, uh, to put an end to uh, the horrific uh, slave trade. Uh, slavery continues in other, other uh, nations to this day. So Christian orthodoxy says, hey, not so fast. <laughs> but see, here's the deal. If as a Christian we say it's not CRT, people are going to label us as racist and bigots. And we're going to say not so fast. We have an explanatory model and we want to speak to that. And that's what I want to do this week, next week, and if we need a third week, we will do that, okay? So the, the question is, if it isn't, if CRT isn't the answer, then what is? That is, what is the church's response? And so let, let me just kind of stop here. This is a short introduction just to kind of prime the pump again, kind of get us thinking, and then tomorrow we'll dive in and begin to to wrestle. I am quite confident because I've outlined of the week. I'm quite confident I'm going to say some things this week and next that will not settle well. Uh, I, I expect they don't, they won't, they won't settle well uh, for some of us. I don't know even that I'm settled well with it, but I think it's true. Okay. So I am going to invite you to be earnest and watching to the bitter end, that is, watch to the end of each of the um, daily studies. Uh, renew the invitation. If you'd like to join our Wednesday discussion group, please send me an email, dmeeks at greenwichpres.org, and I will send you the uh, Zoom link for our discussion. We're usually 15, maybe a few more uh, right now, folks. Uh, discussing for about an hour, three o'clock on Wednesday afternoons, about three till about 4.15, okay? Let's close with prayer and, uh, and then uh, the Lord's Prayer and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pick up again tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your mercy in keeping us in your care. Thank you for uh, the rich history of labor in our society. 
Thank you for creating us in your image with hands and legs and minds and bodies with which we can work and labor. So on this Labor Day, uh, we recall, take a rest uh, from labor and, and thank you for the rich history of industry and um, the building uh, of so much of our society that happens through human hands. Father, as we also as humans build these intellectual models, help us to be wise and thoughtful. Help uh, me in particular as we study in these coming days and help us uh, in discernment together uh, to, to be faithful and to think well and to act well uh, in this society that does experience, as all societies do, experience uh, great suffering um, often around race. And so, Lord, bless us and keep us. Uh, we thank you for that image we have in the book of Revelation of a day when every race and tribe and language and people, every nation is gathered as one, joined to Jesus Christ. And so we, we pray and live towards that great end. And we pray as he taught us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God bless you and keep you. May God make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he give you his peace this day and forevermore. Amen.